Welcome to Better Words, a podcast for readers who want to know the stories behind the pages. We're your hosts, Caitlin and Michelle, two book nerds who bring you in-depth conversations about writing and publishing from those on the inside. Basically, we're just here to talk about books. We're so glad you're joining us. Welcome back to Better Words. I am so excited that we are doing a book club this week. I'm so excited to talk about this book with you. But first, how have you been, Caitlin? Oh, I'm good. I didn't expect you to ask me oh, that. Sorry. <laughs> um, oh, oh. Last time you were a bit sick from Jersey Boys, but are you better now? Yes, I'm better. I'm less tired. I, you know, I've put my Christmas tree up. We are getting towards you know December like it's all very fun (laughs) yeah yeah and you know I guess both of us getting quite busy at work as well like it's a bit busy for you Mm. to end of year stuff um and trying to cram in those final reads of the year as we head into December like read as many books as possible in December um so totally I've read so much in November though I know like we it's just timing wise with like reading for you know ahead of interviews and book clubs and recommendations and you know I had audiobooks driving so much at the start of the month as well I was like oh I've like really read a lot (laughs) but yeah um but yeah I'm very excited to talk about this book I think this is like such a good book club discussion book I'm interested and I but I see I don't know if it is a good book club discussion book because my whole thing is just like I loved it that's it (laughs) but um (laughs) let me let me illustrate a little bit for you um before we kind of give you the blurb and stuff um I went to London on the weekend um did very touristy I just, Tower of London stuff. I don't think we've actually said what book it is. No. Yet, so well, I'm going to say it now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so sorry. basically, I picked up this book. Um, I think I might have started it, but I wasn't very far through when we got on the train. And then, you know, when you sit down and you're just suddenly like absorbed in the book, I it just I was so absorbed in it, and I just was like halfway through after the train trip, like. It was so, it was so absorbing. And then as much as I loved exploring London, I also was like, I really want to keep reading my book and not just because we have to for this recording. Um, Yeah. So the book that we're talking about is The Rachel Incident by Caroline O'Donoghue, which you probably have seen around. It's been out a few months now and it's been everywhere. Um, And there are two quite striking covers I actually prefer the Australian one, but we know I love a hardcover. So, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Well, actually, sorry, I'm just going to do a live Google. Is the Australian one not the UK edition? What is your cover? No, otherwise I I wouldn't have said that there were two covers. Um. But like normally the two covers are US and UK. I know that. Yeah, that is the thing. But I guess. Does Australia because, have a different cover? Well, no, the oh. Irish cover and Australian cover is a trade paperback cover. And it's like a drawing of like two cups sort of spilt, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So that is the one you have just in hardback. No, because our cover. Oh, 
<laughs> our cover. See, is, here's my confusion. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. So our cover is um, like hot pink background with a photo in the middle of, I think maybe a guy now I think is, is James. I couldn't work out. So it's someone with long blonde hair and it's sort of ambiguous, but now I think it's James, one of the characters in the book kissing someone. And then over the back of his head, we can sort of see, yeah, we can see part of a head, which I think now is Rachel because of something that happens in the book. Um, And it's just got really like graphic, uh, like slab text that says the Rachel incident, Carolina Donahue, over the top. Um, so yeah, it's different. I prefer yours, but now that I've read the book, like this cover also makes more sense to me because I think it was yeah. a bit confusing until I'd read it. Um, anyway, so basically, let me let me read the um, the blurb. So yes. from the moment James stepped into Rachel's life, everything changed. Once he shone his light on her, no one else stood a chance. Not her dull college boyfriend, not her suburban parents, not the version of Rachel that exists until that day. When Rachel falls in love with her married professor, I hate when people say falls in love, by the way, because she clearly just has a raging crush. Um, <laughs> so when Rachel has a crush on her married professor, Dr. Byrne, James helps her devise a plan to seduce him. But what begins as a harmless crush soon leads to tension as their friendship is pushed to its limits. Over the course of a year, they will find their lives ever more entwined with the burns and be faced with the impossible choices and a lie that can't be taken back. But how can anyone understand that year in Shandon Street unless they lived it? How could they understand the decisions made there? The Rachel Incident is a story about losing and then finding yourself about the mistakes we make along the way. It's a story about love. Yes. It's such an interesting book. I recommended this book in our October Substack wrap-up because we hadn't discussed it on the podcast yet and it wasn't, you know, a book written by a guest and I was running out of options, but we had talked about doing this book club and this has just been the timing of it. So I'm so glad we're talking about it again more, but I, I think this is an interesting book because I think to hearing people talk about it and reading reviews of it and everything, people, you know, like it or they don't or maybe think that they're going to like it or, and they don't or think that they're going to like it and they do or I don't know. It's one of these interesting books that, you know, people like just want to talk about. Mm. And I've talked to a lot of people about this book already and like know a lot of like my friends at work and stuff who've read it and read many reviews on bookstagram and all of these things so much so that when I borrowed it from the library and I was like I want to read it and I was like I think we'd already talked about it you know maybe and or I read it and I was like we have to talk about this I was just before I did read one page before I'd technically even read the blurb I was like I'm really gonna like this book yeah and it was kind of just based on the vibe yeah literally I so you I have read Caroline O'Donoghue's other teenage fiction and that's how I know her Mm. so a lot of people will know her from the podcast sentimental garbage I hadn't really listened to much of that um and so I was interested because 
as I say, I've not read her adult books. She has two other adult books, but she has a like trilogy of young adult books, which I've recommended and talked about on the podcast before, um, called like the gifts series. So there was like, um, it was witch, queer witchy YA. Um, and so I was interested in that. And then our friend Alicia, um, had bought the book because she loves the podcast and stuff as well. And like, it was totally on her radar as something that she would love. And she was like, Mm -hmm. I think you'll either love it or you'll hate it. And you'll know like straight away. And I, so I, I borrowed it from her and had been putting off reading it until we were ready to discuss it. And yeah, I sort of was like, no, I think I will like it because very rarely do listen it's like when you and I like I know the three I of us considering this and I like yeah it, like I know the three of like, us like this would be rare. yeah like, it's be very very like rare for us not to all like the same book or to like have wildly yeah. different opinions on things although I will just say that Liz didn't really get into like could not get into yellow face which I think is really interesting because we both loved it I know. Oh, that is interesting. Yeah. Anyway, that's a side note. I, I didn't mean to like say you, that about yeah, about this, but it's just interesting. As a fun little bonus, yeah. also, you should listen to the sentimental garbage episode where they with Maisie Peters where they talk about Twilight. Yes, that has been on my list, and actually, you know, I I did once um once so. I actually didn't realize I'd heard of that podcast before. I did not realize until Liz was reading this book that it was the same person because I know her as this author um, because she also wrote a book called Promising Young Woman, which is not the same as the movie. Um, So anyway, I went back and like scrolled back through Sentimental Garbage feed and I found one about Chicago and I was just, I listened to that and I was like, yes, Chicago is the best movie musical on the planet it's so good and then they added it to netflix and so i've been watching it he's just like oh it's perfection it really is anyway that is absolutely aside i i'm interested so what um what sort of stuff like were there mixed reviews because i've not looked into anything outside this and like i said my whole opinion on this is oh my god it's fucking brilliant i like texted list and was like like three times I was like, I love it. I don't even know why. And then like later I was like, I really, really love it. And then I was like, I'm definitely buying myself a copy of this. <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, I have seen some mixed reviews and things like that online. I think the best way I can explain this is, and I promise this is related. Michelle, have you read or watched the series of Conversations with Friends? No, I haven't. Okay, so Conversations with Friends by Sally Rooney, um, TV series made last year, um, was is a book about two girls at uni who are best friends, uh, and one of them starts kind of having an affair with the with a married woman, and then the other one kind of gets brought into it. So this like two younger people like mixed up in this marriage, and like and everyone's like okay with what's going it's crazy like it's it's so wacky and like the different and like all combinations of the because like then their friendship gets strained Uh it's like why are you weird about him and she's like well what are you doing with him and it's like well you're sleeping with her like it's all (laughs) it's crazy 
Um, and I think a lot of people really dislike conversations with friends. Like I think it is quite mm. common. I, I've heard know, people say that, time, that. I enjoyed the book yeah. at the time. I enjoyed the series, but it is a very frustrating story because everyone's acting so crazy. But I think it's really common when people are talking about Sally Rooney to be like, oh, I loved normal people, quite liked Beautiful World not as much conversations with friends like I don't I didn't like finish reading conversations with friends and was like I hated that Mm. like I still enjoyed it Mm. and it's interesting because these complicated characters are doing crazy things much like in this book Mm. but I think that's like a good comparison in my head is that like if you liked that or if you like found it a bit interesting because I would say the Rachel incident far less frustrating yeah it is yeah like it's, it's, I did it's, see one criticism. I think you like the characters more. I think I did see one criticism that said that she was whiny, um, but my only thing's like, yes, she was. She's twenty. She's That's like twenty. Why yeah, we're all I like that. Like we say that about YA so more often. Like w- when we are that age, yeah. we are kind of insufferable. And I think that yeah. it is, and I love that when we're reading YA yeah. and we're like, oh my god, you sweet, annoying, bratty sixteen-year-old girl. And what's, you know, what's like, interesting about it kind is, of what it is. So it's sort of, I think the thing that gripped me as well is, so basically, it sort of opens with her older, pregnant, and mm-hmm. then we sort of, it, it's she, she's talking. It's a bit like Fleabag style, talking to us and telling us this story of this one weird year that was has has defined a lot of her life um yeah and and I think a lot of people are really thrown by that as well because they have no idea what's going on oh no I loved it I was like yes tell me the drama because she does but she does I can see why because if you're not fully immersed and maybe it's because I read it all like so much of it in like big chunks of sittings she is it's like she's talking to you and she's saying so this weird thing happened and then she'll sometimes bring it back so you can actually see her mm. also older reflecting on how young and dumb she was sometimes like you know she will yeah. sort of reflect on that I think that's also why it's probably less frustrating mm. um in when you think about how you know selfish and crazy and like everything all of all of the characters are is that the story is told with hindsight so like it is not you're not like right there in the present being like what the hell are you doing she's telling it like but I also I I also think like I love that Rachel's relationship with James is not something that's sort of pre-established like it's something that we see unfolding Mm. because I think that pretty much everyone has a friend who either becomes their best friend or who they sort of have like a little friend crush on where you just want to you want to be a bit like them like they're really cool and like you want to emulate them and I think that rush of when you find someone like that was yeah Yeah. and it always brings me back to my favorite quote from um one of my favorite books Codename Verity by Elizabeth Wayne the quote is it's like being in love, discovering your best friend. And it's sort of true. It's like yeah. it is – so the the start of the book is this sort of like being in the first flush of a relationship where you're like learning their quirks and stuff and, and like it's still so new and interesting. That's what it's like with her discovering her best friend. And it's, it's really – I loved those bits because you're like, yeah, I've been that person who's like – oh my God, you're so awesome and cool. I want to be friends with you and I can't believe you want to be friends with me. Like, wow. And it's just so interesting. 
yeah, I loved reading about their friendship and reading about like the start of their friendship and how they really like become so close so quickly and again relatable like that. <laughs> especially yeah, when you're younger is that yeah totally and that kind of like you know it's that like soulmate best friend thing where you're just like oh we are going to be friends forever yeah. and like even when all the hard things happen there's not that much doubt there like they know their friendship is going to change but like they're not like necessarily scared of losing each other Mm. I think it is interesting Um, I can't really I don't think I can really say this uh too much without spoilers but I think it's interesting there are comparisons made at times about how certain situations might have played out if James was a girl and if it was two Mm. women being friends that the dynamics might be kind of different and I found that really interesting as well yeah that is interesting too because um yeah friendships are different between different people and so like considering like how that type of friendship would be different and would affect everything around them differently yeah it's really interesting to consider um it is the writing is superb though it really is like I just I and this I think that took me by surprise because I have read Caroline's other books but it's a very different style and yeah I think that it's it felt like discovering another new writer because it felt so different I still think that you will really enjoy her gift series um Mm. but yeah it is completely different style and then I do think that maybe that style might be what puts people off as well because it is fragments isn't the right word because it's all like connected and stuff but there are certain bits where it does skip backwards and forwards and she is in the present looking back and it might I can see why it might be a bit confusing but I found it so incredibly absorbing I love that this sounds really bad but like I love the Irishness of it there is something about Irish writers so I recently um or did I say about small things like these on the podcast or is that no you've got it in our November <laughs> it's in our November substack coming soon um I'll be talking about small things like these by Claire Keegan that is about 150 pages it's a novella and similarly I think with Factory Girls by Michelle Galen Louise O'Neill as well I feel like these writers mm. these Irish writers um just have this way of saying so much with so little and yes you do I mean even like you do have to read between the lines a little bit but I just it's so good and I I'm really looking forward to rereading this book already because I feel like I will pick up so much more and I get to enjoy the writing style more when I know the story already but I've just I loved it like loved it oh yeah absolutely it's just fantastic and you're right, the Irishness of it, like there's so much there with the time, like with the time that it's set in as well. But even just the fact that like <clears throat> it's set in Cork and 
there's this whole small town-ness as well. I think that's something yeah. that even though... And they want to move to London yeah. and, like, you know, all of these things. Yeah, it's it just adds that extra, extra interesting layer. Even though small things like these is completely different, that element of small town vibes is very present in that as well, this idea that word does get round and it impacts on your behavior because you're conscious that people will be watching you and the Mm. other actually the other Irish writer which I always forget as an Irish writer because he is a tv personality but I had that sense about Graham Norton's book um home stretch as well which is about it's very good um it's about a it opens with a car accident in which there's um, I think four or five teenagers, um, several of them are killed. One is injured and one is okay. And it sort of follows the ripple effects across the different families in this small town. You know, the people who lost oh, children, wow. the people whose children um, were left with lifelong injuries, the people whose children were okay. And um, sort of, yeah, the the consequences like 20 years on of that one event and the way that it's changed the, the way that everyone interacts in this small town. Um, obviously, like yeah, incredibly wow. different, very different writing style. But I just think that sense of especially towards the end of this book that we get where Rachel feels quite claustrophobic in Cork and she feels like people are watching her. She feels like people know her and know or think they know what has unfolded. Something has happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's um, you really I feel like you really this book really f- like made me feel a lot of things like I was there like it just yeah. really instantly and most like a lot totally. of books and do but so that one it. that one really like instantly I was like I am here I am for this weekend like immersed in this story and that's such a rare yeah talent. totally and you're so that when you know we are getting to like the meaty end or whatever and the you know and someone says like oh the Rachel incident I was like oh I'd like forgotten that that was what the book was yeah. called and I was like the whole I'd like forgotten to wonder the whole time well what is the incident yes you know like and then it was like oh that yeah and I was like oh my god because that, that incident doesn't happen until like quite the way through the book and it was funny though Jack mm. kept asking me when we we're on the train and stuff he's like what's your book about and I was like I don't really know yet like and I'm like halfway through and he's yeah, like do you know what's it, what it's yeah. about and I'm like not really. Um, I don't really know what it's about because it doesn't. Like we're still getting Yeah, there. like yeah. it doesn't. It's, <laughs> it is one of those books that is very much about the vibe and about the characters. Yes, there is hmm. an incident, but it's really not necessarily about that. And that's the whole thing is that she's writing this to explain everything that led up to that incident and stuff. And it's just yeah. so so fascinating I just love these kinds of character books I think anyone who listens to the podcast knows um and is probably not surprised that this book is something we adored yeah that we enjoyed it so yeah yeah I can't wait to reread it because it also it's quite I mean I found it really compelling and like I I read it quite quickly probably because I was Mm -hmm. on the train as well but I think I would have were I at home still sat down and binged it really just gone straight yeah 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 no it was absolutely marvelous oh highly recommend and you know to go back to what Alicia said at the start um 
you know, and what she told me, you will know immediately whether you're going to like it or hate it. That's, you, you're going to know. Yeah, I think yeah. you will. I knew a me, like, yeah, I loved it, like, straight away. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, that, that was the Rachel incident. Um, That's our rambling book club on the Rachel yeah. incident. So thanks for reading that with me. That was really fun. Um, and, yeah, everyone, please enjoy the following interview. Our guest today writes short stories and novels that examine our darkest fears and shine a light on hope and possibility. She was born in Birmingham in England, but emigrated to Australia in 2006 and proudly now calls herself Australian. She has a Bachelor of Degree in Literature and with Psychology, and before having children, she was a primary school teacher. Her debut novel, The Much-Loved Terms of Inheritance, was shortlisted for the HarperCollins Australia 2021 Banjo Prize. She lives in the Redlands Coast with her family. Welcome to the podcast, Michelle Upton. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you, guys. (laughs) Thank you. We're excited to have you. And I just realised in in all of our pre-actual hit record uh, chat, we didn't cover that I work at HarperCollins and we normally try and cover that um, at the start as well to say, you know, I've not actually worked directly on any of your books, Michelle, although I do yeah. remember when we first read them for the Banjo Prize. Um, oh, that's exciting. Yeah. So, you know, no one makes me do this. I, we always um, sort of joke about that, but I only ask on the Harper authors that I want to speak to. So we're very excited Aww. to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> and we were joking oh, before that obviously we're both called Michelle and I'm an Aussie in the UK and you're a Brit in Australia and it's quite that's funny. Right, like right. it's just, yeah. Everyone's going to be trying to keep track. <laughs> I yeah. know. Well, for what, I mean, we might have two Michelles here today, but I think normally people probably struggle between Michelle and I. Like our yeah. voices sound, you know, you have a more distinctive accent. Yes, so. yeah. <laughs> I'm clearly the the brummie here. Sure. <laughs> uh, um, so I guess the best place to start is if you talk mm-hmm. to us and tell us a little bit about your second novel, which is what we're focusing on today, which is Emergency Exit Only. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so it's about 35-year-old Amelia Harris who has an accident and comes to realise how short life is. And so after a particularly bad day at work, she dramatically quits her mundane job. But rather than going and getting another job somewhere else, doing the same thing that she's done for the last decade, she decides to go and search for a job that will ignite a passion within her. And so she spends the next few months testing out all the jobs that she's ever dreamed about doing, uh, such as wedding planning, um, zookeeper, florist, a writer, a teacher and lots more. And of course, throw in some family drama and a big romance and we're in for a good time. But ultimately, it's a novel about what happens when you consistently step out of your comfort zone. I loved all of the different jobs that she was going for at the sort of at the beginning when, you know, she's like, well, maybe I have to test out a few different things. And there's this list and she goes like wedding planning teacher florist I was like oh my god every girl has the same list like like, all of us wanted to do that I feel like people talk about you know like oh what did you want to be when you were really little or something 
and I always sort of say that I never knew um, and would say teacher seemed like a yeah. good default answer because yeah. like teachers would be in front of you in primary school. Yeah. I think that's and then why. When I was in year 10. Yeah, I think that's them, why. See them, can't you? So you know mm. it's something that can be done. Yeah, it's possible. And, that, and, that, and that's probably why I ended up going into teaching because I, you know, I did a degree in literature and psychology and then it was like, oh, well, well now what? What can I do with that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. But then it was like, oh, well, I can be a teacher. And, you know, I, I taught the, well, prep. I'm not quite sure what it's, that's what it's called in Queensland. I'm not sure what it's called in, um, or reception in the UK. I'm not sure what it's called in New South Wales. But, um, yeah, I like working with the, the little kids. And for me, you know, being a creative person, that's just such a great place to be because you're getting all the hands-on, arty, crafty kind of stuff. And I really yeah. enjoyed that. Um, but, yeah, I probably fell into that really not knowing what else I wanted to do and kind of then went on that path that way really so yeah so sometimes you can just be a bit lost but then when you could when you when you see someone doing something you think oh yeah that's that that looks like something I can do and a possibility so I'll go for that like like yeah. writing a novel was never on my radar as something to do for sure <laughs> yeah a lot of people have said that to us over the years it's not in front of you as like a, a realistic yeah. option which is yeah. obviously why so many and you know notoriously publishing doesn't pay well in many areas of it so like you know notoriously author yeah. is like not the full-time job yeah. everyone has other work that they do and th other careers that they've had beforehand as yeah. well but I think um well, I mean, I, I went to school in the UK, so it was a bit different. But we're, I don't remember having authors really coming in and talking about writing, you know, books or um, anything like that. Whereas here, um, you know, you have book week and you have, you know, all the dressing up. And then of, it, in the primary schools, you tend to have a lot of authors coming in and chatting to students. So maybe that will change, you know, because they can say like, oh, yeah, well, I want to do that. I want to do that. <laughs> that looks like fun. Maybe so, it does yeah. seem more possible now. Yeah, I feel like Book more... Week didn't really exist when we were in primary school. I don't remember Not ever to doing the extent it does now, stuff. I don't think. But I mean, you know, this what was your dream job or like what do you actually want to do with your life is such an interesting topic and obviously it's such a big, big part of emergency exit only. Yeah. Where, like, for Amelia's story, where did that spark of, you know, adult work experience kind of come from? Yeah, I, th I think it, well, it came from, Amelia has, because she has this accident and she has this big wake-up call, um, that really was something that happened to me, quite a personal experience, where mm. at the age of 59, my dad died of cancer, so I was 29, I'm 44 now, I was 29 at the time, and I had my 10-month-old son, and, and he came out, my dad came over from, um, uh, from the UK to see us and he wasn't very well and we knew we didn't have long but he'd been cleared by the doctors to come over and stuff like that but when he got here he wasn't well and we had to take him to the hospital and they said oh sorry you know you're not going to go back to the UK because you know it's 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 not looking good and and he, wow. passed, he passed away here um, and it was such a shock. Even though we knew he was sick, it still seemed to come out of nowhere. And afterwards, you know, after you go through something like that, you know life is short, but then when you see someone that you love taken 
much younger than expected like you know 50 59 it's you know you've still got so much yeah. time left it's a real shock and so I was left asking all those big questions of you know why are we here what's our purpose you know um what's going on basically and and the question that kept came, coming up to me in the months after was if I could do anything with this one life that I've got what is it that I really want to do and like Amelia it's like what is it that ignites a passion within me? And the answer that kept coming back to me again and again was to write, to write. Uh, and like I say, it had never really been on my radar before. I'd, I'd thought probably about writing children's picture books, something like that. And because um, I was a primary school teacher, so that's what yeah. you read day and you're surrounded by. But I thought, oh, no, that's something that I really want to do. And then you know, like in the novel, The Alchemist, when they talk about beginner's luck, then I had an email come through from another mom from Playgroup. And she was like, oh, I'm putting together a writer's group. Like, does anybody want to join in? So, and I was like, okay, well, I should. And, but I hadn't written anything. So, <laughs> so then, um, you know, so then I went down, down this path of, of being a writer. And I, I didn't go back to, um, teaching full-time it was something that I decided that I'm going to give everything that I've got into this and so I went back when I went back to work I went back and worked for like an event stylist like casually and and then I went back and did a teacher aid casually and that kind of thing so like Amelia where she has this wake-up call and decides to see whether she wants to shift course that was something that happened to me and I look back at it now knowing where I've been and I think it was like that was the gift that my dad left me you know I'd do anything to have him here with me but it was really like it was almost you know it completely changed the course of my life and I think it was like he's not here but that is something that he's given to me and um you know and it's out of something awful something beautiful was born as well so yeah that's so nice I'm sure he would be pleased that you took something really good from a bad situation. And and he himself was always like, you know, chase your dreams no matter what. You know, have a dream, but then dream bigger. One of his dream was to, he always wanted to build his own house and like project manage building a house and stuff and organize everybody. And he did that like more than once, like a couple of times. And, he, you know, he had his own business and all that kind of thing. And I remember when we were... Um, my husband and I were both British and we applied to, we wanted to come and live in Australia. And, you know, he never said, oh, don't go. He was always like, if this is what you want to do, you go for it. Uh, and because we'd got um, like an immigration agent over here to work for us and they, we were waiting, we were waiting to see if we got the visa. And I was at school and um, uh, the guy who was the agent over here phoned well, he must have phoned the home line, like, you know, when we were back in the day when we had, like, telephones at home. He must have phoned and my dad picked up and then my dad phoned me on my mobile and said, oh, have you got a call from, like, the immigration agent? And I'm like, no, no. And he goes, he goes, well, I'm going to put the phone down now because he's going to phone you any minute. He's going to let you know. He's going to let you know. And my dad was so excited for me. Aww. Whereas if my kids go to leave, I'll just be like devastated. Don't do it. Don't leave me. Like, you know, but um, always cheering me on. Yeah. So I know that he would be super proud that I just kind of went for, you know, went for it. Because you do want to get to the end and, sat and not have any regrets. 
So you have to listen to that voice inside that is kind of trying to gear you to where your calling is or where your gift is or, you know, you talk about having a purpose and that kind of thing on a deeper level. But I think sometimes we just have to get quiet enough to listen to that and not always be distracting ourselves from listening to that voice and uh you know it's like the alchemist and santiago santiago in the desert and kind of him you know going after his treasure and ultimately he has to listen to his heart so you know it's that it's that kind of journey really that big epic life journey so yeah um so then writing about amelia you know doing that and wanting to try all these different jobs and even you know you just said then that you also had a couple of different jobs along the way as well how did you decide what jobs to have Amelia try were these ones that you'd always wanted to have a go at as well yes and I'd kind of dipped into them as well so and and then and then it was a conversation that my publisher and I had and we were just making this big list and she was like going oh yeah you know floristry like I've always wanted to be a florist and you know you have all these ideas so we were kind of mashing all these ideas together but having been worked as a an event stylist myself um so what we would do is we would um we would do big events but we would go in and we would set up the ceremonies for all the weddings um so like down by the lighthouse so you set up the island all that kind of thing on the wedding day and then once we've set all that up we would then go to the wherever the reception is after and we just go and transform this bland looking room into just something absolutely magical and there was just something really satisfying about that and you know and then and then we'd be waiting because we'd have to pull it all down after the second yeah you know, of the course ceremony. so we're, yeah. We're, yeah so we so we go and see them and and you know and you see the cake coming in and you see you know you see you're getting like a behind the scenes look as to what it's like really where I worked, they used to do all, do some of the flowers occasionally as well. So there was a florist on hand who would do all that. So um, I would watch her <laughs> do that her magic. Um, but every now, you know, a couple of times, you know, we would have to get a bit hands on as well. If there was a mass, you know, there was a, a big job and we all had to kind of get in there and, and uh, you know, get on with it because um, it was one of those jobs where it's so fast paced and you can't afford to forget any any element of it because if you leave something in the warehouse and it's a half hour drive they're getting married in like yeah there's no room for error is there like and it's someone's big day yeah yeah Yeah. big day and it's it's a lot of responsibility but um, yeah you don't want to impact that no and but it was um it was just really magical so there was lots of elements in there and and then obviously she's a writer and she's writing these articles and, you know, that's something that I've done for, you know, I write articles for a, a wedding dress boutique and immigration lawyers and that kind of thing. And also, you know, there's that kind of love interest story that runs alongside throughout the novel. And of course, um, she's also, Amelia is also facing other fears as well. Um, so without giving any spoilers away, uh you know, I for research for that, I kind of um, yeah, I don't like heights, so that was. <laughs> but I did a few things, but I can't say what it is, which is a real shame because I don't want to give anything away. But yeah, I had some fun experiences facing that, and um, yeah, and then I there was um yeah a moment where I ended up going on a jet ski over to Peel Island and kind of yeah, you know, talking about stepping out of your comfort zone because Peel Island is this beautiful island not far from uh, where I live and 
from Raby, from the Raby Bay beaches um, where some of this is set as well. I'd heard that it, uh, you can only get to Peel Island by boat or jet ski. And so, um, and we don't own a jet ski or a boat, so I couldn't get out there. But I knew I wanted to have this scene set out there. And I didn't know anyone who owned a jet ski either. And so I was down at Raby Bay and it was summer and it was lots, it was busy. And so there were a few jet skis out there. And, and I wanted to know, you know, those details, how long does it take to get over there and all those kind of things. Um, that just that attention to detail that you want in your in your work. And so I'd seen these couples, you know, coming off the jet ski and stuff. And, and I thought, I just need to go and ask someone. I just need to go and ask, like, how long are that? And so I, I finally plucked it. I saw this couple get off the jet ski and I thought, well, I'm just going to ask them. So, you know, stepping out your comfort zone. So I got chatting to this gorgeous couple. And I said, oh, you know, how long does it take to get to Peel Island? It's like, oh, about 15 minutes. And I, I said, oh, because I'm right, you know, it's a strange question. I'm writing this book and all the rest of it. And and uh, and it was a, a married couple. And the wife said, oh, we'll, we'll take you out. Just let us know when you're free. Like, message us and I'll take you out. And so about a week and a half later, I was strapped to the back of a jet ski, flying across the water at like however you know, 80 kilometers an hour bouncing off the water out to um peel island and it was just the most thrilling experience i was like holding on for dear life i was i was worried that i was gonna get um uh you know seasick but i didn't so that that was good but we went we went out there and we saw this great big turtle in the water and oh, wow. and a lot of the experiences that i was able to you know um the the, a lot of that kind of came into the book then you know the things that happened and uh uh, we we went round to the other side of the island and there's a shipwreck out there and like he's going oh you know this is where the sharks are and stuff and I'm like no no, no, no. <laughs> and, and then we carried on over a bit further and we've got like North Stradbroke Island and the and the huge car ferries over there and we were jet skiing around that and and it was just you know the size of the ferry and everything and it was just such an amazing experience and I thought. I came back and I'm thinking, oh, that's it's just like Amelia, really, like how I want to write about. Is that, yeah, you've, you know, you've you, had that experience. You put yourself out there. Yeah, you mm. put yourself out there. And it's amazing how generous and kind people are and um, how you, if you open yourself up and don't limit yourself, you can just end up having these amazing experiences that you would never think of for yourself. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it was just it was just the best time, and so I'm really grateful <laughs> to them because I'm just like this stranger rocking up to them, you know. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. I love that so, so much. I mean, you're such yeah. a hands-on writer, Michelle. All of these real experiences. <laughs> well, you know, book. I kind of say, well, really, if you're going to do this kind of work, just make a list of all the things that you want to do, and then you can cut it all as like put research, it in the book research. For sure, for sure. Oh, uh, you know, I think I need to go on a cruise for research or, you know, whatever it, whatever it, is, like fancy, whatever it is you fancy doing. And then you can justify it to everybody. Oh, well, I'm researching, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can see your mind ticking over now, Caitlin. You're like, okay, what, what? yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe I should just write a book just for that, like, you know. <laughs> I mean, what a great excuse! Wow, <laughs> I can't believe how many, how many parts of this are like 
real experiences that you had that are in the book. Yeah, I love that so much. Oh, as you mentioned in the intro, you know, your your novels do, I mean, this all sounds very fun and uplifting, but your novels do also focus on, I guess, some of the sadder things of life, I guess, you know, yeah. which makes sense hearing your own story of sort of what sparked you yeah. into writing is that there is this, um, you know, this strange duality in life, mm-hmm. isn't there, of like you can be really happy and doing all these things, but, um, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes there's sadness or struggles as well. Um, and, you know, something obviously yeah. that Amelia does worry about, especially at the start, is like the you know the nuts and bolts of life which we all have to face things like how am I going to afford to pay my rent if I don't have this job and this idea of like work you know yeah and this idea of like oh I'd love to just go and do this but you know I've got kids or I've got bills to pay and you know unfortunately that doesn't really take care of your mental health and sometimes you need to do a shitty job to do that but anyway, I yeah. guess where I was, my question sort of with that is, you know, when you're writing these books, how do you strike the balance between exploring some of those sort of more serious, more emotional topics and still making it like really uplifting and fun? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, because I, th- I think my goal as a writer is that I'm, I want to entertain and my, what I want to do is I want, my goal is I want to make a, a reader laugh and I want to make them cry. And then at the end, I want them to make them feel sad that their book is finished because they just want to hang out with the characters more. Um, but I think that that's just what life is. You know, life isn't just all, you know, I mean, for, for most people, it's, it's not just one or the other. Um, and so like in, in the worst times you can find yourself laughing and be shocked at that. You know, when, when my dad was sick, I had a 10 year old, a 10 month old, and he was doing all these amazing things that were bringing joy into our life at the same time that were, I'm also going through the worst time in my life. And you think how on earth can these two things be happening at yeah, the same time? Yeah, how can time? they be happening mm-hmm. together? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, but, but that's what um real people are and it's my job as an author to make um characters relatable and give them a depth and everyone's got a history and everyone's got things going on and you know uh, when we meet amelia at the beginning of the novel she's extremely anxious and got anxiety and um a lot of that writing came from my own experiences as well of of that so you know I've, I've woken up in the morning and, and it's almost like just before you wake up and you're still half asleep, there's that sense of dread in your gut, you know, and and it's just it's just awful. But, it you know, it's something that you can work through, but it's not easy. Um, but I think the two, the two, the light and the dark always kind of sit next to each other. Um, and, yeah, it helps bring depth to the characters and... Um, I think there's also, you know, as a writer, it's like writing is kind of therapy as well. You're just trying to, my, I, I spend my time trying to articulate what it means to be human. And so I'm trying to work through, and you can tell by just what this novel is about, I'm trying to work through my stuff, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're all trying to do. But in doing that, um, you can bring a voice to the story 
that is real and that hopefully is, is something that readers can relate to and they can see themselves within the characters and say, yes, that's how I feel. And yes, you know, it might not be, the situation might not exactly be the same, but they can relate to that feeling or they can relate to that sense of loss or they can relate to that um, feeling overwhelmed. Even if it's not on the same level, they've been somewhere, you know, on that kind of, um, within that, though the, the, you know, that um experience they've been you know they've had an experience somewhere along the way and they go oh yeah I really get that and um you know I think we all want to be seen and heard uh and know that we matter like Oprah Winfrey said that on her on her like, episode of Oprah it sounds really good <laughs> but um yeah because when I was like when my kids were little Oprah was wrapping up and that was the last thing she said <laughs> on, on her last episode but it's so true everyone wants to be seen and heard and know that they matter but actually that came at a good time because then when when that program finished she went and did all the Super Soul Sunday interviews and um you know I, I started reading like you know um Michael Singer and Eckhart Tolle and all that kind of stuff and it was really feeding into all the stuff that I needed at that time as to why are we here and what's our purpose and that kind of, you know, if you want to get woo-woo or however you want to describe it, it doesn't really matter. It's it's that kind of looking into yourself um, and asking why are we here, what's our purpose and just going to that deeper level really and, yeah, so. But it's it's funny, like, that even still when as you do that, like, you know your books do explore that but in a really fun uplifting way and yeah, yeah. It's, it's a joyful experience to <laughs> yeah. read so we don't want anyone to yeah. think that it's well, not that, well, but yeah, yeah well, that, that's I, that's what I really like about writing what I do is that I can have those heavy scenes and as a writer that really takes a toll on me physically in my body like if I've been writing all day about something that's really heavy um I can feel that in my body all over. So I really need to have that lightheartedness, joy and romance yeah. and, you know, all the beautiful things as well because that just makes me, it just lifts me up and makes me feel good. And and I, lo- I love picking up a book and being able to laugh out loud and, and find the joy and then be like, oh, yes, come on, come on, like, you know, kind of like cheering on the characters for the sidelines as well and, um yeah, so I, I like something that makes me laugh, but I do like something that makes me cry as well. So, <laughs> But yeah, I'd love to have a go at writing all different genres, but I do wonder how authors are able to write about dark, a whole novel that are quite is quite dark because I don't think I would fi- my body would physically be able to take writing something like that. You must be able to, maybe they can distance themselves some way or they must have a way of protecting themselves from, you know, those darker subjects. Because when, you get, because when you're putting an experience, uh, writing it down into a novel, for me it's like your body is physically reacting to it as if it's happening to you in that moment. So um, I don't mind it the dark, but also for the joy and the laughter and, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> the fun life yeah. as well. So. Yeah, you've got the perfect mix. 
yeah thanks well i enjoy that i do enjoy it one of the other things that uh we just loved about your books is they're obviously both set in queensland both of your books are set in queensland and um, (laughs) on you know on the gold coast and the redland coast like around you know near brisbane and everything did you ever consider setting them anywhere else or was it always that Queensland sunshine? When I wrote Terms of Inheritance, I was thinking, write what you know. I was, the whole th- when I came up with the idea for Terms of Inheritance, um, which is about a mother who is dying, and um, rather than letting her four adult daughters automatically inherit her vast fortune, she sets each of them one task that she believes will make them become better versions of themselves. But if if they any of them fail, all of the money goes to the Aussie animal rescue. And so I was thinking, write what you know, write what you know. And I'd run a marathon. And one of the characters' tasks is to run a marathon in order to get her mother's inheritance. And she's like a multimillionaire or whatever. And But I also was thinking, write what you know. And where do I know? Well, I know the Redlands Coast where I live. And I know the Gold Coast because I'm always going down there for like day trips and stuff like that but the character of Jackie Turner who is you know if she's this multimillionaire casino and hotel chain owner and I if you think of like if if I think of her character and put her in Sydney or Melbourne then she's different she's completely different to being in the on the Gold Coast like automatically you've got a totally different image of what she's like and that is the character um, that you think you're going to get to know. You you come with all these preconceived ideas. You know, the front cover is like a leopard print heel, you know, being <laughs> putting a foot down, like, you know, and there's cracks appearing and stuff. Um, and so immediately you think you know who she is. And then my job as an author is to then go and unpick all that, all those ideas that you've come to the book with and unpick all that and reveal, you know, what she's what she's really like and what her... Um, intentions are and you know what she really is like as a mother or her perception perception of that and then when it came to emergency exit only having some ideas of some of the jobs that she was doing I thought it would be it's even more heavily set in the Redlands coast which is right where I live and you know having read the book you'll know that these there's these amazing beaches where you can go and do paddle boarding and you you know all the wildlife encounters and like I was just talking about Peel Island and it, and it's just, oh, like it's just such a beautiful way to celebrate our local area because it is so stunningly beautiful and you don't read about it very often. Um, and because I was able to do that, I was able to kind of set it in the same like universe as like terms of inheritance. So so the, the places are real, but, ev- all, you know, all the businesses and everything like that is all fictional. So like, Turner Hotels in in uh, terms of inheritance isn't real and I was able to overlap and then I was able to you know there might be one or two appearances from other characters in the <laughs> in the first book in the second one so I like that idea of you know Taylor Jenkins Reid like you know kind of yeah. crossing over slightly on those your years. own multiverse or whatever yeah <laughs> and you oh you can just like oh yeah that character was in there as well yeah or cameo and stuff so I thought that was fun I like seeing that in the books as well but emergency exit only is definitely my love letter to the Redlands coast and you know we've lived here you know when we first when we first came to Brisbane it was kind of like we lived somewhere else for six months while we were figuring out which suburbs we wanted to live and all that kind of stuff and then it was 
oh, you know, we came here and, and we haven't left. It's been 17 years. <laughs> wow. Super happy here. I'm very blessed. It's just, be, it's beautiful here. I love it. Obviously, we've been reading the book and everything and Michelle, my Michelle, I just keep yes. reading, um, keep reading, obviously, about this area. And um, one of our good friends lives there and I have to send yeah. her a copy of this book. Yes, you yeah. will. Yeah, yeah, she'll recognise. Yeah, she'll love yeah, it. She'll... Yeah, she'll recognise so much more than, I mean, I've visited her there like once, I think. Yeah. And I, yeah. even I was like, oh, the beach, and, you know, all yes. that stuff. Like, <laughs> it'll be so fun. Yeah, so it's like, why try to invent the wheel when I've got like the perfect location right on my door? Yeah, exactly. So and it all works with the story and stuff. Like, yeah, it makes yeah. sense to just set it there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that. right. That's right. Um, so, you know, you just mentioned there, of course, terms of inheritance. So that was shortlisted for the Banjo Prize, as we said before. Um, but can you take us back a little bit before that, your writing journey? You've obviously mentioned that you sort of started wanting to do something that you'd always <laughs> thought about. So you mentioned that writing group that you joined where you hadn't sort of actually written anything so what's sort of the in-between stuff how did you then actually go to getting published before entering the prize so we joined that little writers group and there was just the three of us <laughs> and uh, I was like okay so now I better write something and the Redlands libraries happened to have a short story competition on that was coming up in a couple of months time I thought well that would be the perfect way for me to just give me a deadline and have a go at writing you know less than 2,000 words I think it was and just gave it a go and so I did that entered the competition uh, and it got shortlisted and it was one of the stories um, uh, there was 10 of us and it got published into an anthology um, and it was so great we had this whole day workshop they gave us breakfast in the morning and we had mentors and we were editing our work had a workshop and then and, and then we went back a, a, about a week later and they had this ceremony evening and all this kind of stuff it was really fantastic and so uh, of course you know you write a short story and you think oh well the next step is oh I wonder if I could write a novel <laughs> as you yeah, do obviously and so yeah. yeah so I thought oh well I'll give that a go and when my daughter started kindergarten I was like okay that's when I'm gonna start writing and so I uh, writing this novel idea so I started writing terms of yes yeah, uh, oh no sorry I started writing a, a completely other a different novel and I spent six, six years writing that novel I got paid for manuscript assessment I was learning everything about the craft that I could at the time I was reading all the craft books listening to podcasts all that kind of thing and then it got six years into it and I'd sent it out to everybody that I could and I wasn't getting any feedback and some of my friends had read it and they loved it but it got to a point where there's nothing else to be done so it was just going to have to go into the drawer and then I was like okay so am I going to go again? Am I, I going to write another book? So the answer was definitely yes. But you do have to consider whether you're going yeah, to go like, again. Yeah, like you persist again? It's, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah, it's so much time away from your family. And, um, you, you know, there's a lot of sacrifices that come, come with it. So, but yes, the answer was definitely yes. And then that's when I came up with the idea for Terms of Inheritance. And that was about the end of... 2000 uh, middle of 2019 I started writing it and then I'd got to about 60,000 words at the end of 2020 uh, uh, sorry at the end of 2019 then Covid hit didn't do anything other than doom scroll for six months and 
kind of looking yeah. shock and horror. Uh, and then and then about halfway through, I was like, I need some escape. I need to do something. <laughs> so I picked up the 60,000 words and started from scratch again and turned it into 84,000 words at the, by the end of 2020. And then the, the March, that's when I decided to enter into the Banjo Prize run by HarperCollins. And... Um, yeah, and then at the same time, I was sending it out to literary agents and that because obviously once you enter a competition, you know, you kind of need that query letter and all those things that go alongside that. So so I was sending it out to literary agents as well. And, you know, for months, you kind of you kind of either get rejections or you don't hear anything. And, and so September came around and because and I was, you know, a big runner, I used to run, you know, 10K th- three or four times a week. And and I chat to my mom in the UK as well while I'm running. And I was on the I was on FaceTime chatting to my mom, and you're kind of thinking, "Oh, is this novel going to get anywhere? Am I going to get any fee? I'm not getting any feedback. You know what's going on?" And and you start flashing back to the other novel that you wrote and didn't get anywhere, and all these familiar feelings are coming up. And and yeah. and do I keep and that's going? Just, and... That's just yeah, that's just the roller coaster ride of what a writer is but this morning I must say it was probably the worst I'd ever felt about oh my gosh am I on the right path like you know I was starting to question am I on the right path maybe this isn't for me maybe you know the dialogue's terrible or you know you just start second guessing yourself and so I'm chatting to my mom and she's very patiently and lovingly and kindly reassuring me and all that Anyway, the phone goes. So I said, oh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll just get rid of these people and I'll phone you back. So I pick up the phone ready to say, oh, thanks, but I'm not interested today. Like, whatever, um, you know, to the spam callers. And it was um, reverse arrivers from HarperCollins going, <laughs> oh, hi, Michelle. Um, just to let you know, you've been shortlisted for the Banjo Prize. And I was like, what? <laughs> and like, I went from like this doom and gloom on the verge of tears thinking maybe that's it it's all game over to everything changing and oh my gosh and then so I phoned my mom back and I was going I'll be sure sure." and then I I came home and my husband's at home because now he's working from home and I was like crying and you know just super super (laughs) excited and then and then after all that calmed down there was just this overwhelming sense of you were right to carry on, you know, you were, you were right not to give up, you were right to persevere. And, you know, that version of yourself, must, I, think of, I think of that version of myself that didn't enter the Banjo Prize and, and you know, maybe terms of inheritance would still be a Word document on, yeah. on my, on my Yeah, thing. maybe. And it, so yeah. I, ju- I just, yeah, I just say to anyone who wants to, to write, just keep going, just keep going. But it's so hard, it is so hard, but... You know, you never know. You might get that phone call that just changes everything. And and then, and and that was for shortlisted. And then two weeks later, I got a phone call saying, "We love it so much, we want to publish it." And then, um, yeah, I was folding laundry that time, so it wasn't as exciting. But, um, <laughs> wasn't it's quite still a as nice phone yeah. call. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, and and then that was it. And I was oh, just absolutely over the moon. And you know, I keep having to pinch myself even now. And and then. Um, uh, and then a couple of weeks before Terms of Inheritance came out, Bert said to me, oh, you know, have you got any Have you got any other ideas? And then I was like, well, actually, I have an idea about emergency exit. And, it, and then we went again and, uh, and, and and went on that. And it was it's just been an amazing experience. And um, I feel just 
truly blessed you know I, I really do I really do feel so grateful so yeah it's been a it's been a journey but like you know the whole you know from when I started just saying when I from when I first said a cat when I actually put pen to you know writing on the computer pen to paper to when terms of inheritance came out that was nine years you know so it's a it's a long journey but I kind of think oh you know it's not a sprint it's a marathon you know and you just keep putting yourself out there so that's so incredible I mean it it all does take such a long time from you know from all aspects obviously it takes you a long time to write the book it then you know takes us a long time to get everything sorted before it's actually in bookstores and everything and I've worked at HarperCollins four years now and so I've got a couple now where like you know I was helping all the publishers go through all of the submissions for the Banjo Prize that year and actually um, like a crazy strong year I think we published like four or five books out of that it was a COVID year a lot of people had written lock had written lockdown <laughs> manuscripts and I, um, I, there was a lot like, of entries everyone was at home the year before <laughs> yeah. yeah there was a lot of entries but like you know I remember when one of my colleagues was like oh this one sounds good and we were like all reading through the folder at home and she's like putting in her like yes in the spreadsheet as we're like all reading through for your book and everything and then you know and then I read it before it came out and now we're here talking about your second book like that's crazy it is it's amazing it really is you think when you set out on these journeys you you don't know how it's going to turn out and for me it's turned out this way but you just have to persevere keep going and always be prepared to you you just have to keep learning keep learning keep learning and and it's like that idea of you know putting in your 10,000 hours and that's kind of how I saw it it was like I'm putting in my 10,000 hours and putting in my 10,000 hours and and that book that took me six years to write and it didn't get anywhere that was like that you know it's the apprenticeship it's all the training you know if I said oh I want to go and none be a of it's plumber, wasted yeah yeah exactly uh, you know if I wanted to go and be a plumber I wouldn't just rock up and expect to be a plumber super quick you gotta be you gotta put the training in and the work in and the hours in and getting all the experience and that kind of thing and you know the the, the same for writing but if I hadn't have had those six years before I wouldn't have been able to write terms of inheritance and I'd you know, I wouldn't have been able to write emergency exit only in the shorter time that I had. I remember when I was, so I did the Gold Coast Marathon when my daughter was like 16 months old. Six weeks before, now you'll start seeing similarities in like terms of inheritance, but six weeks before the marathon, I had an injury and couldn't run. <laughs> and so you start, because I'd overtrained and you start thinking, oh gosh, you know, six weeks until I, uh, the mar- the marathon's coming up. I don't know if I'm going to do it. And I got to the 30K point on the run and my injuries were kind of flaring up. And, and it, I, it wasn't so much as a walk. It was just like a, ho- a, a hobble of kind of dragging myself for the, for the last 10K. And when you run a marathon, which is like 42.2K, what they say is in your training, you need to have been able to have run 32K. You need to have run 32K before you do the marathon. So you know that your body can run the extra 10K afterwards um, that that follows. And so I got to the 32K and I was like, I've got 10K left. <laughs> and it wasn't going great. It wasn't going great. But this couple ran past me and someone turned around and said, come on we can do it and they said this is what we train for and it was and I was like this is so true 
with everything that we've done has been leading up to this last 10k and whether we can do it or not you know and it, and and that's true of writing of writing as well those six years of keeping going keeping going then right in terms of inheritance and then you get into the end and it's like, and then when you get to that crucial point of like okay I'm really going for it it's like this is the bit we trained for you know for all those years and it's just so it's just such a similar experience in in a certain you know in a certain way it's like different but it's that same, you know, so when you say, oh, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon, it really, it really is. Because then when you get to the point where, you know, I'm so lucky, I'm, you know, I'm writing for uh, for HarperCollins, now I'm pulling out all the tools, everything that I've worked for for so many years, and, you know, I'm going for it, and I want to be working at the best and the highest level that I can. Because if my words are going to be going out and being read by everyone, I want to know that I gave it everything that I got. You know, I, d- I don't want to do anything half-hearted. I want to, I want to go there and give it my all. Yeah, I, I know that I've got this. You know, I don't regret having this history of not making it and and rejections and everything that comes with being a writer because all of that got me to this point. And without that, I just wouldn't be here. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You're so right. And like, I mean, marathon, yes, getting to the end of it, like that would be so hard and I could never run an actual marathon. But now I'm wondering, how long did you have to write Emergency Exit Only? So Bert said to me, have you got any other ideas? And I hadn't planned it or anything like that. I'd only just kind of come up with the idea for it. And so I was like, I'll give it to her. We'll see. We'll see what we got. She goes, I love it. That must have been... I think it was about three weeks or so before Terms of Inheritance came out. So it must have been like, it was like November, maybe beginning of November. And then she was like, I love it. Give me a tagline and a blurb and like, I'll take it to acquisitions. And and and, and she did. And then I was on playground duty on the, on the Wednesday. This is like a week later. And I get this text message come through and it's like bottles of champagne. And she says, congratulations. She goes, contract incoming and then and then and I was so ah. happy because I knew I knew this was just gonna be so much fun to write I was like yes I was just this is brilliant and then and then so she's like okay so we want to kind of bring it out about the same time so you know I'm gonna need a draft at the end of March and I'm like oh I was gonna god. say oh my god <laughs> oh my god um, but like you say you know you go well this is what we tra- this is what I train for and um and yeah and I'm a major plotter so I plotted the whole book out and spent probably about four weeks plotting it out and then because I knew that you know I've got a deadline I divided the number of words that had to be written by the days that I wanted because obviously you don't just hand in your first draft you need you know a few days for space in your head and then you go back to it and you're editing that because it's it can't just be a first draft and so I did that and I, I knew I didn't want to get lost doing research and going down uh, internet, you know, uh, getting lost on that. So what I did was I put together a folder of, um, okay, so we're going to have Tony the mother. And I was like, got this vision in my head of what she's going to be like. So so I spent four days researching all the things I knew I needed. So I was like, 
okay, so what kind of clothes is she going to wear? So I pulled off all these images of clothing that I knew I wanted like Tony to wear. And then it was like, okay, she's, she's going to be living this, in this Queenslander, like, you know. So, so when I went on realestate.com and pulled off all these pictures of this house that I just imagined her to live in. And like, we know what that house is like. And it was like that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, uh, and so then I put all these photos together and uh, printed it all out into this binder of all these, you know, like water cooler companies and kind of, you know, jets, pictures of jet skis and all, all these kind of things. Um, and, uh, and so then when I started writing and we met Tony for the first time, I was like o- able to open the page on, to- on Tony of all and I was like, okay, what's she wearing today? Okay, we're gonna, she's gonna be wearing that, you know. And then, and the same thing. And then it's like, oh, okay, we're we're enter, we're in in the Queenslander for the first time. I flip open the open the pages of that, and well, I'm straight into that world, and I can just start describing what I'm seeing on the page. And that was just such a valuable tool for me to use. And every day, because I, I because I'm a plotter. I was able to come to to my work and I knew exactly what scene I was writing and I had this book and you know I'm a very I, I think of it I think of my books in a very cinematic way as if they're movies you know and and so and and so having that tool next to me and kind of having the images of the of the characters what they're wearing and all that kind of stuff was just uh, really really helpful so yeah wow I don't think I've ever heard anyone talk about they're like plan and plotting and everything in such a way but I mean it makes sense if you had like four months to write this book my god what a tough deadline Bert gave you I can't believe that (laughs) such a hard woman no absolutely love her to bits she's absolutely fantastic you know when they gave me the deadline that you know even if they've given even if you've got a longer deadline or whatever the deadline is there's always that little voice inside your head that say, can I do this? Can I do this? But you put it aside. But the, I was always like, yes, I can. I can do it. And I'm going to go for it. And you just you just turn around and you focus and you show up for the work every day. And you say to yourself, come on, baby. This is what you trade for. What you trade you know? for. <laughs> and you, and you get on with it and you do it and, and, you, and you kind of go, oh, oh, okay. I'm at the 32k and I feel like my limbs are about to fall off but you know what you can do I'm it I'm gonna go <laughs> home with a medal <laughs> my last question was going to be how are you feeling about like you know second book syndrome kind of thing because we're actually talking to you before emergency exit yeah, only is released out. but well, it sounds like you didn't really have time to think about it too much <laughs> no, no I didn't it was just a case of getting on with it you know get up and show up and do the work but um but I've got to say um I really love this story that it's just, it's so much fun. It kind of says to the, you know, when you read the blurb on the back, it says, are you ready to come on this roller coaster ride? Because if you are, strap yourself in, baby, because we're going to go, we're going to have a great time. You're going to feel it all. You're going to laugh. You're going to cry. And at the end, you're going to feel like, oh, you know, that I want that uplifting kind of, oh God, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And, and you know what? That's all I can do. All I can do is I know that I can look back and I gave it everything I've got and the rest of it. And now I hand it over to the reader and, um, and, and, 
and that's out of my control. But I know that I showed up. I, I love the story. I love the characters. And uh, and that's it. That's all I can do. I, I go out and I speak about it. And, um, and, I, and I hope that people um, love it as much as I do. Um, but most of all, I hope they can see themselves in it, you know, that they might see themselves within the characters and know that they are not alone, that they are seen and they are heard. And that, you know what, baby, you matter, you matter, you know? <laughs> Oh, that's and that's, what, it, and that's what it's to all end about. On as well, like <laughs> it's such a. But that you've nailed it. You've nailed it. This book is fun. This book is uplifting, and it is quite the roller coaster ride as well. <laughs> <laughs> It is, yeah. for sure. Yeah. For sure. We love oh. a good roller coaster ride. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, no, you've absolutely nailed it. People are going to have so much fun reading this. Oh, and good. It's I just been so. so joyful to hear you talk about it as well um, and how passionate you are about it. That's what we love about doing this podcast. Thanks for having me. And the reason I'm here is because you guys are so passionate about books and, and reading <laughs> and, and, you know, giving the opportunity for authors to come and speak about their work. You know, that's that's a gift to everyone so you know we all thank you we all thank you so stop it oh thank you um please (laughs) let everyone know where they can find and follow you online yeah so i'm on instagram facebook twitter all the rest of it but if you go to michelleupton.com and all the links are on there thank you for listening to better words you can chat to us on instagram at better words pod and follow me michelle at unfinished bookshelf and me caitlin at just a bookish babe if you liked this episode please share it with a book loving friend and leave a rating or review 